Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we are going to have a great show today with somebody who's really kind of amazing, showing a lot of resilience and after a loss. And I know a lot of people are looking for resilience and how to get through, and we're going to give you a lot of help with that today. So Heidi, you want to introduce our guest? Sure, Mom. So our guest today is Phil Pinty. Phil is no stranger to loss. When he was only 10 years old, he lost his dad. And just four years ago, he lost his wife, Jen who was only 33 years old. Today, obviously he is a widower. He is also the father of two young children. And in his spare time, he runs ultra marathons. Running has helped him heal and given him memorable and inspiring moments. He is also a former Marine. And like I, like, I always like to say, once a Marine, always a Marine. And I'm sure much of what he has learned about grief and loss and resilience has also come from his training as a Marine. So welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you so very much for having me. It's great to have you on, Phil. And uh, I know you're uh, involved with Herb Kroll. He calls it the Widower Support Network, and it's member members only. It's only open to gentlemen who've lost their their wives to. Right, and and uh, he was Phil was telling us before the show that he come uh, came to Open to Hope and heard us interview Herb. So um, he's doing this show as a thank you for everything. How sweet can it be? So tell us about your loss and, and how you've gotten through. As they say, with uh, the road to recovery or the road through grief or success, uh, it's not a linear path. Um, ironically enough, yesterday was actually uh, the four-year anniversary of losing Jen. She passed away mm -hmm. December 13th, 2016. And um, it was just very, the whole thing from diagnosis to losing her was just a complete uh, whirlwind, and it was an extremely hard process for myself and my family. Um, she she, she died of lung cancer, right? And she'd never smoked, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Wow. And she was diagnosed, um, we just got done celebrating my son Nolan's second birthday in May, and um, since after the holidays of that year, she was complaining of hip pain, and then um, she went to go get it checked out, and uh, June 1st is a, is a date that will always stand out in my mind. Uh, but we received the news that she had stage four lung cancer Wow! that had metastasized and it was in her, in her bones and in her hip and everything like that. So uh, we only had six months post-diagnosis and being a young family at that point, my daughter was only four and my son was two. So juggling marriage life, children, work life and all those things, it was a very, very uh, tumultuous time. That's unbelievable. That's, that's an incredible amount to juggle. And like you said, having a wife that's in the, her final stages of life while you're also trying to keep everything else together. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So she lived for how long? About six, uh, six months, uh, diagnosed June 1st, and then she passed away December 13th. Wow. Yep. So how did you deal? You know, I don't want to sound cliche, but it, it all just happened so quickly. Um, I'm sure that many other people who've experienced loss uh, can attest to, it just kind of feels like you're just holding on 
uh, for dear life. And, um, you know, the doctors, they did a, they did a wonderful job, but, um, you know, they were having us meet with like end of life counselors and bereavement counselors and stuff. And my, my wife was still alive, obviously at that point. And, uh, we just kind of, we knew, we knew that things were serious, but you're always holding out hope Absolutely. Uh, that, you know, that things will get better or it's not as bad as it sounds and everything like that. Um, something will be discovered. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just tried my best. Um, you know, I don't want to sound clinical or anything like that, but uh, I tried to just compartmentalize the tasks that I had to do to get through the day and not to sound cold or calculated or anything. But like when I was at work, I tried my best to be present and be at work. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end, obviously, I, I was by Jen's side at all hours of the day. But, you know, you just try to do the best that you can. Um, my, my in-laws came down and helped out tremendously with the kids, obviously at that point, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, well, and like you said, Phil, I think <clears throat> compartmentalizing is key. I mean, if you hadn't done that, you would have not been able to function, <laughs> yeah. right? I yeah. mean, you would have been in a heap on the ground, you know, mourning and crying. Were and you in the time. military then? What were you doing? Uh, no, no, I, uh, I'm an analyst. Um, I'm, I'm no longer with, a, with the military. But. Did your military training help you? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I, absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many acronyms and different ways of attacking and uh, reorienting and bullets and you know, all, all the different things that you need to do to get through the mission or to get through the week or whatnot. And um, you just have to take things, you have to bite things off little by little. And um, obviously at 33 years old, mourning and, and grieving and going through the pain of losing my wife was not something I had expected. But when you have prior training and experience, you know, the Marines, one of the Marines, you know, slogans or whatever is improvise, adapt and overcome. And mm. I love that. Yeah. You know, every day is not going to turn out the way that you have planned, but you know, you, you accept, you uh, assess what's going on you move on to the next objective. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, one of the major things that we have found is that peer support and information are two of the most important things you can have to deal with loss. Now I'm thinking when you were in the military, you had the guys, Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's how, you know, my grandson, Heidi's son, is, we've seen him go through training and, and I think the support of the guys. So moving on to that, it sounds like you found guy support mm-hmm. through, uh, with Herb Knoll. And what does that mean to you having other guys? Um, so Herb, Herb Knoll is an author of The Widower's Journey and also has uh, created a, a group on Facebook called uh, the Widower Support Network. And it's, you know, in quotations or whatever, members only. And, and what that means is it's just open to gentlemen uh, who've lost their wives or have gotten devastating news that they're potentially gonna be losing their wives. And um, it's just great to have a group of gentlemen that um, you can kind of let down your guard, you know, um, guys aren't prone to talk about their feelings or emotions or things that are frustrating them in the day-to-day um, emotions that they're feeling uh, preemptively before they lose their wives. Um, so, you know, going along the parallel of, of, of veterans or being in the military, having a group of gentlemen who've kind of weathered the storm before you, um, you feel that you can open yourself up and 
you take their advice wholeheartedly because they've, they've lived through it themselves. So, And I would think you can be vulnerable. You're not worried about taking care of anybody. You're we're a bunch of, you know, with another, a bunch of people that understand you could be vulnerable about the struggles that you have yourself, I'm guessing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if, if a neighbor or, or a mom-in-law or something, if somebody else from my life steps in, um, although they're a huge help in my day to day, I might not feel comfortable opening myself up to, to air these things with them. And the, the support group, I, after stumbling upon your podcast with Herb, checking out the group um, and just listening to all the information that he puts out there, I'm, I'm so enamored by his courage and his strength and resilience and the way that he's able to communicate to the guys. So now let's move on to the marathon running. <laughs> Talk about that. Were you running before your wife died? I, I was running. Um, it wasn't to the extent of, of running ultras um, and such. But um, if I may, if I may really quickly, um, a real beautiful thing that came out of kind of this ultra running that I do is um, the summer or two summers after losing Jen, I partook in a, in a multi-day stage race out in Colorado and, and wow. Utah, 150 miles over six days. Wow. And you're, you're camping out under the stars and you're making food out in the desert and all these things. And I threw myself into that to put something on the calendar, to have something to look forward to, you know, and in my running, you don't want to hang yourself out there to drive. So you're doing preparation races and you're gearing yourself up. Um, long story short, I met a guy, uh, he's going to dog me for, for calling him out by name, but um, <laughs> His name is Chris Ward, and um, he's he's kind of my quote unquote battle buddy now. Love it. And and what I've learned after the fact, so we we both throw ourselves into this race, and and I've got my reasons why I'm doing it, and he's got his reasons. It only comes out after I run the race that I learned that he suffered an extremely devastating loss as well. Wow. wow. And um, him and his wife, um, they they lost one of their child children stillborn. And that happened a few Christmases, a few Decembers before losing Jen. Well, we didn't go there looking for a confidant. We didn't go there looking for a perfect stranger or anything like that. But what we've learned in the aftermath is we we're still weathering the storm. And, you know, I'm four years out, but we we went there to kind of break ourselves down, you know, not necessarily destroy us. But the thing I love about ultra running is it pushes you to the utmost limits of you ultimately want to stop the race and ultimately you're the only one, you know, it's up to nobody but yourself, whether you continue on, whether you get to an aid station and you just say, you know what, I've had enough. Um, but I really, you know, I don't want to believe that people meet each other for specific reasons or anything like that, but uh, meeting Chris and, and our friendship and everything that's come out of that really, really means the world to me. So. Awesome. And that's yeah. again, mom peer support and the importance yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And Heidi and I were talking today about having a, a witness to what you're yeah, going you to, how important it is to have a witness. Yeah. Um, if I, and also too, I mean, I know this goes out to the folks that it goes out to, but even folks who may stumble upon this that aren't widows or widowers or haven't lost anybody. Uh, my wife and I at the age of 33 years old got the devastating news that she had terminal cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, ultimately just kind of reevaluate, assess where you're at in your own life. And, and there may be a new couple that's planning to get married or planning to have children or whatever, like 
I never thought that I'd be in a situation where I'd have to be planning for end of life at 33 years of age. And um, so ultimately, if I, if, if Chris and I, if Chris being my witness can hold me accountable to the things that I need to do for my children, or if I'm having a hard day, if he knows yesterday was a hard day, he'll reach out. And, and, you know, you definitely need to surround yourself with people that uh, have your best interest in mind. Well, that, that leads me to another topic, Phil. I mean, you have two small children and you're now a single parent, which you Mm -hmm. never imagined that was going to be the case. What advice would you give men now that are finding themselves in the same situation about parenting? Well, add add to that right now, what we're all kind of going through with the Mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, I I know, I know this won't be coming out for a little bit, but uh, folks might have suffered a job loss. Folks Mm -hmm. might have suffered, you know, kids aren't in school. People may not be going to work. The the nuclear family right now is under exponential stress by just everything that's going on. Um, I would just say all through your journey, there are going to be folks, uh, once again, that are just your rocks, like people that are just always there for you. And, um, you know, I've reached out to people that Penelope and Nolan went to, to daycare with, and, and I still stay in touch with them. And they're constantly along your journey, you're going to be given little nuggets of, of information or kind of what your next step or decision should be. And those kernels may not pop for, for a few months or a few years. And, and every, it seems like everything's kind of coming we're not completely through the woods yet, but like, I feel like things are starting to come full circle to get to your, to get to your answer. I'm sorry. Uh, you just need to keep the communication open. Um, spouses, uh, children, in-laws, what makes your family dynamic, right? And um, especially going through the loss of someone, people have said this so many times that when you initially suffer the loss, people come out of the woodwork, right? Everybody wants to be there to help yeah. and people come to the house and everything like that. But after two or three months, those people dissipate and you just have to have a clear plan of, you know, what's going to get you through the day, the week, so forth, so on. So, sorry. I'm I'm hearing you say in a lot of ways, have a plan. Have, you're not going to have a plan for everything, right? But have a contingency, um, have a plan I, I knew, I knew after losing Jen, I had to get to a certain place and it, it wasn't a physical, it wasn't necessarily a physical place. It wasn't a point in the map or anything like that. I just knew that in order to be happy in order to be successful in order to be content with, with my children and knowing that this is what made our family now, like this is how we were going to go forward. Sometimes you have to diverge like off the path and just keep keep going. If you get to somewhere and you say, you know what, this isn't going to lead me anywhere. It doesn't hurt to go back and reassess. I like that. Get back on your, you know, keep on going. My, I mean, my tagline, I guess, is keep on keeping on, but you just got to keep on trucking, you know? Keep on keeping on. I like that. And, and it also sounds like you are someone that reaches out to other people when you need help, you know, that you've reached out to people and said, okay, I need, I need someone to come in. I need help, et cetera. Is that true or no? That's, that's absolutely true. And the flip side of the coin is I would have never imagined that I'd be in the position that I'm in speaking with you both. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it very cathartic and therapeutic to just talk through my own story kind of, because in my earlier stages, hearing you both speak to people, 
speak to widows, widowers, people who've lost their children. Like it's only through, if you, if you want to be a great singer or something, you have to practice singing. Okay. If you want to get into meditation, you need to meditate. Like you can't just, you can't just become an expert in something. So if, if I, I didn't think that I'd be a practitioner of grief or I didn't think that I'd be a veteran of grief to help other people, but through helping others, you kind of help yourself. That, that makes sense. And, and I'm yeah. thinking that there's roles that Jen did that now you have had to learn how to do, especially when it comes to your children. Absolutely. Whenever yeah. we're talking with widows, sometimes they say one of the things they've had to learn is how to do their daughter's hair. <laughs> <laughs> then, you see, move your head over a little bit. We see your daughter there in that picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> her hair's not pulled back there, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, Herb has said it. Other, other guys have said it. Uh, women tend to be the planners, uh, the calendar holders, uh, the social, yeah. the, the people that keep us socially interacted and everything like that. And um, I'm just living in, in constant vulnerability. And um, the people that I depend on and, and look out to, like they, they look out for me and I just, you know, I feel, I find myself filling roles that um, I wouldn't have normally filled, but I think Jen was a great, Jen was in advertising and in planning and all these things. And I, I would pick up little pieces here and there. I, I don't do it as well as Jen did, but uh, yeah. So. I love the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable. Me too, especially. How did that, how did that come? Did that come hard or have you always been willing to be vulnerable or? Um, I'm not, I'm not a regular guy. I don't think, I mean, like, like you said in the opening, um, I lost my, my own father when I was 10 years old. So my whole life, I feel like I've been extremely vulnerable or I've been in vulnerable situations. So I, in some ways I wear my heart and my emotions on my sleeve in other ways. I'm very, uh, my, my family, my kiddos and I, I refer to us as the wolf pack. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> but the re I mean, I guess where that's born is just, I am a very emotional, passionate guy and everything like that. But when it comes to my kiddos and my little tribe and stuff like that, I, I guess I'm kind of closed in a little bit. I it it's a delicate balance of people know my backstory. People know what I've been through and everything. But if, if you've earned, if you've earned my trust and everything like that, you're, I'll be as loyal as can be, so. Well, and I think that losing your dad when you were 10 gives you some added empathy for your own children and some understanding that goes beyond words because you understand what it's like to be a 10 year old without a parent. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when we got the news that Jen had stage four cancer and everything like that, uh, I just, you know, we can't, we don't get to decide our story, our, our legacy or whatever. But I thought if there was anybody who was going to have to raise my kiddos, it was going to be, it was going to be me, you know, mm -hmm. and for so many people out there that are, that are struggling, like not that we need to turn our loss or our suffering or whatever into, I refer to it as like a superpower where you can either let it completely like destroy you or the things that we like, ultimately the things that are causing us pain if you have a, a stone in your shoe and the stone is bothering you during an ultra run, you need to kick your shoe off and you need to get the stone out of your shoe, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the pain and the emotion and the feelings that we're feeling, you're feeling them for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the thing that I, that's just opened up my eyes is when you're at the beginning of a relationship 
when you first fall in love, when you're in the honeymoon stage, you want to love, you want to. When you lose your wife at 33 years of age or anybody for that matter, you have to go through grief. You have to, if you want love, then you have to grieve. Like it's been said so many times that you're gonna grieve as much as you love. Well, mm-hmm. grieving is the price for the love that you shared, you know? So yeah. to hide from it, to pretend I'm not feeling it, to try to mask it or something like that, like I'm ne- you're never gonna get beyond it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, that's a good point. Absolutely. So if you got one piece of advice for a guy who has recently had a wife die, what would it be? You love your wife with your whole heart and you, you build a family with her. Maybe you have children with her. You made a household with her. You, you can't go back and you can't change any of those things. And as, as much as it hurts and as painful as it is, going forward and living your life even if it's just for yourself or for your children or your family around you, like living the best life that you can live is the best way that you can leave a legacy for your wife. Like she can't, it's painful that she's not along with you, but by living your best life, you're honoring hers. I love that. Well, let's finish on that note. That's a beautiful note, Phil. And we appreciate you being on the show so much today. And uh, I know you're going to help a lot of people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Phil. And thank you for being such a great role model and showing other guys out there how to be resilient after a loss. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.